Hey everyone, Dan Lovai here and welcome to the New Net Podcast, the podcast where we talk to interesting people doing interesting things in and around PNG. Our guest for today is someone who's done a lot of work in basketball and PNG for many, many years and he's done a lot of work with uh, community outreach stuff as well, helping communities and helping them along uh, in terms of using basketball as a tool to help build and grow communities. Uh, so yes, please make welcome Mr. Jordan Serra. Hi there everyone, pleasure to be here. Um, thank you for having me on this podcast. Uh, looking forward to have a chat about basketball and what's going on around the country. My role as a basketball officer, I'm the Hoops Health Coordinator for Basketball Federation of Papua New Guinea. Um, basically what I do is I um, go around the country running junior development programs in our local communities as far as like remote areas in the country. Pretty much go there and run basketball activities there. Yeah, oh, man. And I think it's a lot of important work to do as well because uh, I think a lot of people know that basketball or many people know that there's only there's one sport that's always pushed in the country and it's not basketball or like the other sports that Papua New Guineans are interested in. It doesn't get as much attention as it needs. Uh, but uh, before we get into all of that, Jordan, uh, could you just tell me a bit about uh, how you first got into basketball and how, uh, how it came about in your life? So, um, my dad is a basketballer, former basketballer. Um, we moved to Daru when I was a little boy. And I grew up watching him play there and idolized him and my uncles playing. And then um, after that, I decided to further my education. I was working with Tabu Bill, but still um, on my free times, I was engaged with the communities, um, running junior clinics in Daru. Then decided to get more familiar with the code itself in mm-hmm. 2010 started playing active basketball um, then in my high school days then from there took it professional in 2012 and then next thing you know I'm playing for the country in the next uh, following years but that didn't stop me from at least giving back to my community and what happened was I pretty much tried to slow down in playing and more so pick up basketball as a tool for change and literally teach kids on how to um, play basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, Volunteered a lot of my time into that and found it interesting. So basically I was doing it as a volunteer till 2019. Then the Federation came on board and said, look, why not we give you a role that's just open up and you come and join us so we can we can get you to do more basketball activities around the country and not just in one province. So that's where I picked it up from and never looked back from there. So, yeah. Man. Because, uh, so like you mentioned earlier, you it, it's everything started in Daru, right? Everything started in Daru. Yeah. Basically, what happened was I saw a lot of kids walking the streets of Daru mm. and we have like three spots in Daru. That's uh, volleyball, rugby union, and basketball a lot of kids were idolizing rugby union but if you look at rugby union only men were playing it mm. and there wasn't any room for females junior females as well um so i said okay what 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 can i do so i reached out to the federation um in that time we had joel Kalu as the ceo for mm. basketball and he said look i can give you some ideas on how to engage your community and start getting them active yeah. and all that so once he linked me up with uh, BFPNG and FIBA, I just took it from there and then 
use basketball as a tool for change and just got engaged with kids in in the community and then next thing you know, I'm running it in schools and then basketball junior development in Daru has just gone exploded into a huge thing on the island so yeah from there I, w- I didn't take any step back mm-hmm. just looked forward to it and then continue to inspire kids going forward with basketball so probably um, I would say like we channel them up so mm-hmm. this is the way to the national level we start here then we go up that way but keeping them busy off the streets f- mm. from illegal activities or over the weekend and all that so when it comes to weekend all the kids are looking forward to basketball mm. so it just impacted the whole um, generation of basketballers on the island Daru, ah. so <coughs> oh man that's, that's that's good to hear i think uh some of you uh may not realize this or know that uh, I'm actually part uh, Western province as well, and my family is actually based in Daru as well. And uh, what's it called? Because the issue of you know young people not yep. being engaged in anything and getting up to no good or not doing you know legal things to pass the time is an issue that's around the country. So I'm happy to hear that on my like home island, uh, where I'm from, like it's at least uh, things are steering in a good direction, at least on that regard. But I am curious. You said that things started in Daru, so uh, where was the next place? That you uh, spread out the uh, the bus this mission. So um, I got engaged with the federation in 20, 2019. Mm-hmm. They started preparing me by sending me for programs around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one in Lay, the Heroes program, and the Heroes program in Pom. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, when the position opened up for Husserl coordinator, I applied, and then they got me on board. So. Um, the first program started off in Gulf province, Gulf, Kikori. But uh, the program itself is all about junior development. Mm-hmm. And part of our mission statement in the Basketball Federation is make basketball the most popular code mm-hmm. in rural areas. Mm-hmm. So that's one of our mission statements, Basketball Federation. Our sponsors, partners in the program are FIBA Foundation. That's our mother body, FIBA. Mm-hmm. And team up Australia of course um, they're always supportive with our programs and um, we have an agreement that we always sign every year so basically we sign the agreement and then we take it from there um, they don't want to sponsor the program and all that and we just go out and deliver it to the communities and it's it's pretty much working and we've seen data increase over the years yeah. with uh, participation from around the country yeah so back to where the first program uh, started we kicked it off in um, Kerama mm. Gulf uh, province uh, went down to Kerama town did a program there for mums mothers ran the 3x3 then did a coaching program referees program then kids uh, program we spent five days there and then came back from there to pump Right after that, we head over to Alotal, then mm-hmm. uh, Popondeta, then we were in Lei, then uh, Rabaul, Kavian, Finchafen, yeah. then we went up to uh, Medain, then into Medain, remote Medain, Walim, Usinobundi district. Mm-hmm. Um, there for a week, man, Walim kids were like, they, they walk for days, literally to attend man. the program. A few kids from inland 
in the Usinobu uh, Bundi district walk a day and a half when they had I was in volume they wanted to see what I look like what basketball was all about and what they could take from me and take it back to mm-hmm. their community so I was like oh that's great so call them on board ask them to come and stay with me while I was in volume and whatever I had like basketballs cones results I just gave it to them and said take it back mm. this is what's happening um, yeah my five days in volume were just great and of course they have a really supportive member mm. uh, Jimmy Uguru he's built a stadium something like the Sir John guys mm. um, soccer stadium basketball something like that and they have a volleyball indoor stadium with basketball oh, wow. um, in volume station and it's just just like a jewel sitting in the remote part of Papua New Guinea just like that sitting down and like I was like okay we're going into a remote station mm-hmm. when I came over I was like no this is not a remote station it has a stadium here standard court glass boards FIBA markings okay where the kids they told me wait they'll come and then the word spread in the radios next thing you know we have almost 200 plus kids running on the court with the programs and the program was supposed to finish at like 5, 6 in the mm-hmm. evening was finishing at 10 o'clock in the night because lights were turned on and we had like Man. a really big festival of basketball in Walim Station and I'm looking forward to going back mm-hmm. there in the next few days time so all in all basketball really has um, impacted lives mm-hmm. through the programs we, we've carried out we'd like to run more programs around the country take it as far as um, say Jiwaka Mm-hmm. Hela, Sundown Province, Manus, those areas we haven't gone yet, but we're looking forward to reaching out to those areas and Man. use the code of basketball as a tool to drive change in the communities and inspire kids. Yeah. Man. No, because uh, like you said earlier, uh, with uh, basketball, there's no, I guess, rule, not rule of entry, but the entry level, it, it's not, there's no barrier. Like how you mentioned how rugby union is a very yeah. physical sport that only most times it's only the men that play. But with basketball, like at any age or any, like, it doesn't matter what gender you are, you can just join in. There's a code, like it, it, it works for everyone. Ah, man. Now you, you mentioned about the jewel in the middle of the rural area, the stadium. I'm, I'm just trying to imagine it and picture it. Cause, and if you think about it, if you build a stadium and if it's maintained, it should be... E- both easier to maintain than a field, yeah. than like a proper open grass field. So now I'm just thinking more like, hopefully like with the news of this and like the more work you guys do, it it, it makes more members and more, uh, what's the word, representatives to put more money into community centers like that. Because, yeah. oh man. Medain, in my last visit last year, I was there last year, I spent almost three weeks there. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, I came back. Um, but I was able to engage with uh, four local communities there and then came back. But, but there's a guy named Charles Morala. He's the vice uh, president for Basketball Technical Commission. He deals with referees, coaches, mm-hmm. and all that running. But I was able to engage with him and go to Finchofen, run some uh, household programs there, then come back, then channel, go through the Makam Road to Walium then came down to Medellin Town uh, and did some junior programs of mini basketball jamboree in Medellin Town with the kids. And 
I was surprised that at my request, when I was requesting for mm. um, kids and their associations to attend the event, they were responding in hours and just traveling down to Medellin town to see what basketball was like and the federation was doing in provinces. So, so from last year, we had four associations attend their mm-hmm. Pikinini basketball program games in Medellin town. And of course, the Medellin uh, basketball executives are really passionate about growing junior mm-hmm. basketball. That was uh, last year. This year, we might be looking at 15 junior basketball associations in, in Momase region alone. Um, they've put all the basketball associations, like Walium has its own Pikinini basketball mm-hmm. association. Aira has its um, Pikinini basketball association. Medellin Town has its Pikinini basketball there's another settlement in Medellin. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of those nutritious settlements. They call it a two-six settlement. Uh, you walk in there, you come out without your phone or like that symbol. It's now pick the concept of basketball and uh, what it's doing to change mm-hmm. its youths. And um, I, I was fortunate enough to meet one of their guys from there and take him around on my tour and witness mm. firsthand mm. what basketball does for communities and all that and he is one of those leaders in the uh, group that always does the illegal activities and all that so he saw it first and he said look i'm going to take this back to my community so he's taken it back and the next thing you know it he's got his community together they're building a court they've opened it up um, they're running junior program so a month ago we received some merchandises from victoria basketball mm-hmm. Uh, we're able to send two cartons up to them, and that community is now all into basketball. Like it's totally dropped. Crime rates have dropped. Um, alcohol drinking mm. of alcohol has dropped. Everyone is active with basketball, and they're looking forward to the tournament that's coming up next month. They will be attending it as a association, a junior association to the tournament. Overall, in the space of one year, it's just mm. grown from four associations to fifteen. is huge. It's enormous. Enormous, like Man. basketball is just exploding in Medellin, particularly. Um, they will be running a tournament from the 7th to the 9th. Um, I will be in town. Mm. Um, they have some of the juniors currently been named in the Basketball Federation's under 17 squad. Um, but I will be going there to scout a few more and add to the squad because we're hosting the Oceania Championships this year in October. Mm-hmm. So, part of the Hoopswell program is get kids, identify them through the program, mm. push them into the national team. Next thing you know, they were in the red, black, and gold at junior level. And then eventually they go back to the communities, inspire more kids, then continue the trend of representing the country, being role models, and all that. So, yeah, pretty Man. much. Oh, can I ask uh, how, how young do they usually start in the program? Um, so the programs in the hoops world work that I do, we run Pikinini Hoops. Mm-hmm. That's kids from four all the way up to 10, 11. Ah, nice. um, we got HH schools programs where we go into schools. We target kids from 10 all the way up to uh, 18. Then we got the 3x3 that we do. Um, it's for all mm-hmm. age across the board. And we got the Twilight Basketball, where we run it for youths on Friday nights. Youths around 
it can be any suburb and if you have lights and a court mm-hmm. and you want um, youths to come and be part of your program you can run twilight basketball uh, we also have the mom's a hero program mm-hmm. aimed at all the mothers where we get them out from their houses and say look come and have some fun playing basketball and then we get we partner with like um, health organizations and all that mm-hmm. so while they come in and playing basketball and all that we can also get them down to sit down and get some education sessions going with them talk about bad control family planning mm-hmm. um, nutritious meal all that um, healthy living lifestyle because most times our mothers in the remote parts garden mm-hmm. back prepare the food all the while kids go to school and sometimes they're too busy doing that they forget about the surrounding mm-hmm. area so while we run the program where we invite all the mothers to the Moms Hero program, we get our partner organizations to come in like um, Mary Stops, mm-hmm. um, all those, you name it, a few come in and then speak to the ladies. In, we fill them up with information and all that, uh, family health and sexual violence unit. Mm-hmm. And then also we try to bring in some um, law agencies, talk about um, their rights, women ah. rights and all that. So, yeah. So that's what we do with our um, hoops health programs around the country. Man, because man, no, it sounds like you guys are covering all the bases and like it's, it's a good thing to hit all like all the demographics, different ages and everything. And I think uh, I, I think I asked earlier how young you usually start, because I think that's one of the main things that not many other or not a lot of other sports are doing in the country where they're not starting young enough and then nurturing those kids who have the potential to be like when they get older they can yeah. really be something i mean if, if you look at it um, basketball is a family sport mm. um, you can have the whole family up here on the court side on the weekend and when it's game time for men the father can play when it's game time for females mothers can play then you have the kids time when it's game time for the kids they can actually start the game in the mornings and then by the afternoon times the parents are playing mm. right after that the family's all walking you know, on happy from the court and all that so basketball basically is a family sport same can go to say volleyball and soccer but if you look at it basketball is mm. there and whatever it teaches it's all on the court Ah man, that's that that's so interesting and now and i'm thinking back to what you said earlier about the the the, the notorious uh, settlement now. Two six settlement. Yeah, two six now. Really getting into basketball, man. Because I, I I do believe that. What's it called? When it comes to young people, I think they're just looking for something to do, and if you exactly. give them something to do, then they'll take it and run with it. Exactly. If if you look at it, I see sports as a tool to mm. also shape and change our nation, because after grade twelve in mm. the country, you have thirty two thousand kids sitting for exam grade 12 mm. when it's done actually well 32,000 across the board grade 8 all the way up to maybe it's gone up or I'm not sure but the last figure that was mentioned was 32,000 mm. plus sitting for exams and only 5,000 enter mm. universities and further education hi- higher secondary and all that what happened to the 27,000 mm. and it's every year every year I mean, if you look at it, if our government can invest into sports and say, okay, look, we can put money into sports and let kids aim at changing their lives through sports, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, you have something right there you're on. Again, 
it's up to our government and our generation to change the mindset. Because mm. overseas countries, sports is actually well off. Mm. Atle- athletes are well off when it comes to sports. Right after they finish, they're well off already. They've already generated income through sports, and they can support their families and all that. So, why not we should try that out? Invest in sports, man. Yeah, no, yeah. The overseas, it, it's already it's its own machine. Yeah, like you'll never hear much about the like the U.S. government helping yeah. helping NFL or yeah. any other sports or like baseball or anything else. Yeah, no. And I think yeah, you're right. It it does come down to like our generation like we can't keep waiting for either the next generation or those in charge to help or be the first ones to be like or to give us the opportunity i think yeah like with the work that you did like how like your story of how you started in daru and then your work was noticed by the, the I don't, i'd federation. say i said the higher ups of the federation yeah. and they were like oh like we can support you more and then now with the work you're doing and then now you've been given this opportunity and now you're traveling around spreading the, the good word of basketball Kudos to the basketball mm. fa- uh, federation's former president, Mr. Nick Darrow, and former Madam President Carol Lillai. They had a vision for junior basketball mm. in the country, and they actually sat down and set the foundation and put um, pen to paper, got everything rolling, and from then on, it's just taken basketball off with junior development. Yeah. And they had the vision. They had the vision to drive the code. One day we up representing mm. the federation in the ocean and well um, they had the vision so they just put it into action and the next thing you know it our sport has over 200 to 300 participants in the last few years Man. like we we collect data while we run the programs and we mm-hmm. always so the last data for last year was during the covid year we're coming back we almost had like 40,000 participants in basketball but the previous year we had 83,000 in um, before COVID mm-hmm. struck in 2020 we had 83,000 and then it dropped down to 50 then dropped down to 40 but this year alone we've spiked up and in the next um, report that comes out in December we're not sure where we will hit but these are data that we collect mm-hmm. when we go into associations and run the programs but um, one of the interesting things was female participation mm. in our activities. It's spiked up almost three times. We've gone from just having like, say, 600 to 700 mm. in a year to 12, 13,000 female participants. So, and our associations around the country, we've gone from having one or two female uh, position holders, like presidents mm-hmm. in associations, to 13 associations in the country with female presidents. The Basketball Federation is all about empowering women and men as well too, but also giving ladies their status around the country. We see ladies as second choice, but basketball doesn't see that. It drops Mm. all barriers down and sees them as equal participants. We currently have a female president Mm. um, who's taken over from our former president, Carol Eli. We have Emma YY as our current BFPNG president and then going around the country with associations we got um, say Alotau has a female uh, president Gela Lucas um, Kerama Basketball Association has a female president Debbie Hahe um, Kikori Basketball Association has a female president Ella Dorobai these are all like just females just popping up and saying look I'm here mm-hmm. I can take charge 
but they're not just running female um, basketball right. but male dominated basketball associations too. so for males to have the trust in females to lead us it's it's a statement that this code is growing growing and it's been nurtured really well actually so yeah man oh that's that's fantastic news like the the more involvement and the growth ah I'm, i'm 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 so glad that this is all happening just the growth and everything the positive influence and how everyone's just getting involved this is yeah no this is This is very like I'm just starting to realize how how this might affect things in the future. But yeah, no, this looks looks like it looks like things are gonna get very 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 interesting for basketball and PNG. Now you you mentioned earlier that all the positives and the growth that's happened uh, in in recent years and how things are going very well so far. But I wanted to ask, uh, moving forward, uh, what are the what are some of the challenges do you think need to be uh, addressed with uh, basketball and PNG? Um, some of the challenges. Um, pretty much resources mm. um, like we don't get the resources say resource can be can be involved um, can involve um, say funding mm-hmm. or uh, equipment and all that uh, sometimes we have the equipment we don't have the funding to go there and what we're trying to do around is work with mm-hmm. our local mm-hmm. um, provincial governments, district uh, governments as well, mm. and our local associations to get in our basketball programs into their districts and provinces to roll out what we do. Um, if you look at it, it has an op- uh, impact with um, the youths around there. Mm. So, of course, all members want their, their community to be the best and their district to be the best, but the people who drive the community and the district to be the best are the youths, the working class and all that. So to get them an active and engaged in these type of programs, you'll see the change. Your law and order issues will drop. Your um, women um, safety will increase mm-hmm. and they'll feel home. And the, the community will just totally change when you get a, this type of programs into your um, districts, provinces. Yeah, so um, one thing we would like to also um, do is get our police force involved uh-huh. we've we've done that already in the past few years back in 2019 2018 engaged them but it was only here in port Moser, but we want to get our police force involved in the local areas say for instance kikori um, basketball association sometimes mm-hmm. the police force get involved in the association by putting a team playing there and then after that talk to the community and all that And we've seen Kikori Association gone from strength to strength over the years. And the local uh, association president, she's a female, um, is really active and passionate about using the sport as a tool for change. So, yeah, that's if we can pilot it in other um, mm-hmm. districts as well, it will work out. Kikori is already, already piloting that program there. So, yeah. Man, no, it, it already sounds like you already have uh, so many like good examples of yeah. just, just to go off of, and it wouldn't take much to convince other communities and districts yeah. to get on board as well. Uh, now, Jordan, I think we're coming to the end of the interview, but I think my last question to you would be, uh, uh, moving forward, uh, what are your, I guess, hopes and goals for basketball in PNG? Um, I would like to see sort of my hopes and goals. Basically, is get more people active with basketball um, around the country. Um, 
eventually making it up there to be just with rugby league, compete with rugby league up there. Because um, if you look at it, basketball is a family sport. So we should all look at basketball and get that ball bouncing on the court, pretty much using it as an instrument of change in our communities. Uh, of course, it won't happen overnight, but at least we take the first step in bouncing that ball going forward. We'll never know. You get those trees going from the three-point line. So um, going forward, we just got to hope that everything rolls out with our basketball programs and um, get our spot up there. Oh, yeah. man. All right. Uh, now, b- before we end, uh, you mentioned that, uh, that the year just started, so there's going to be a bunch of more programs happening. So uh, for those watching, uh, where might they find you in the following months? Um, so I will be in Medellin. Um, then I come back. Then I go down to Kikori because um, we found two superstars there in Kikori in the last uh, year we were down there. Um, those superstars are now the juniors. They're in there. A brother and sister. Um, found them in Kikori. And the amazing thing about them is they play on the mud. They play basketball on the mud. So what happened was I was running the Hoopsville program and approached uh, the president and told him, so this is um, your kids here. This is what they do? She told me, yeah, this is what we do. So we're able to train them, coach them, everything, and I said, let's attend the championships. So we brought them out. We brought them out from Kikori to the uh, champs, and then the selectors were amazed by by the talent they had. So we selected them onto the under-15s national team. Next thing you know it, um, they go back to their uh, local Asian Kikori, and then they train there, and then we say, okay, it's time to travel for international tournament to go on. Then we pluck them out from Kikori. They do the two-day travel from mm-hmm. Kikori. That's one day by dinghy from Kikori, the river. Mm-hmm. Our I stood in as the head coach and then travel with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Philippines, then the next day, we flew into um, Guam. We arrived at 4 o'clock in the morning, straight to the hotel, um, breakfast, then shower, then we're off to the courts. We had a 10 o'clock game, so one hour early you arrive mm-hmm. at the court. So it's FIBA Oceania tournament under 15s. This was in November last year. We attended it and then at 10 o'clock we're warming up. So I look at the kid's name is Adam Maikai. Tell him, are you ready to play? He said, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, coach. He said, just picture yourself playing in the mud. He said, coach, I know. So the next thing you know it, we're playing. By the time the full-time whistle goes, Papua New Guinea under-15 boys beat um, Northern Mariana Islands. But the kid leads from the front and drops 52 points. Like just spot on and people like, okay, this is a kid from the muddy courts of Kikori mm-hmm. all the way to an international stadium floorboard and he's dropping 52 points. What's the story? They were all running around. Everyone in the event knew who Adam was that evening. I was like, this is not real. You only go up to 30 in international games like this mm-hmm. or 40, but 52 points is a margin and it's mind-blowing. They come and ask me, I said, look, where the kid comes from? You take two days to travel and 
I tell you, there's more there. I said, all right, we'll be looking to cover this later on. So, yeah, but there's actually more talent mm-hmm. out in the remote areas that, that are ready to be discovered. But um, good thing was not only did he drop 32, uh, 52 points, his sister mm-hmm. was next to him. For the girls team, she dropped 34 points. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> like, oh, what are these kids how are they performing like this when they're coming off from a court then mm. and they've seen the pictures we did mm. a story about adam from the muddy courts to an international arena so they were like this is unbelievable unreal but that's what png has to offer those are stories like that but kids that are involved in remote areas with basketball we can actually go inside and identify them and bring them out point them out through the national level junior senior and next thing you know it everyone is on about them and they're inspiring the communities saying look if i can do it you can do it so yeah that's one of the mm. amazing stories about basketball too with junior development and how the hoops help help um identify the young talent from kikori so yeah man that's the way okay wow man yeah, no, honestly, yeah, I see big things. I see, I, I definitely see big things for basketball and PNG. This is, this has been a very, honestly, one of probably one of the most positive interviews we've had on the oh, Net podcast, you. bro. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's it, Jordan. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, looking forward to another podcast. If you wanna, oh yeah, de- up again, definitely. More than happy to. Maybe when I return from Medellin, mm. um, come and share the stories that I hear from Medellin, how it's impacted the communities there. We'll be happy to come and have a chat with you and share my experience. Yeah. Uh, most definitely. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much everyone for watching and uh, yeah, that is this episode of the New Net Podcast. We will see you in the next one. Thank you. <laughs>